back, everybody, to another episode of the Blazer Victory Podcast. John Duncan here, and of course, I'm joined, as always, with my co-hosts, Darian Smith and Jimmy Marion. And guys, we've got an NIT semifinals matchup to preview today. But before we get going on that, listeners, if you have not checked out BlazerVictory.com, definitely go to www.BlazerVictory.com. Friday afternoon, I dropped an exclusive interview that I had with defensive coordinator Sione Talfao. So, guys, if you have not checked that out, go to BlazerVictory.com. Click on it. Thought it was a great interview. It's only like eight-ish minutes, so it's really good. You know, it, you could do it on a break at work or a lunch break. I thought it was really insightful information. I'm getting really excited about this coaching staff that Trent Dilfer has put together, like the vibes that I'm getting at the practice facility. So, listeners, if you have not checked it out, BlazerVictory.com. Check that interview out that I had with uh, Sione Tafao. And also, last Monday, I dropped an interview that I had with offensive coordinator Alex Mortensen, which I also thought was a really good interview. So, guys, if you have not checked that out, BlazerVictory.com. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, wherever, just go back a couple episodes and you can check those out. But Darren, yeah, and 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 I just just to add to that real quick, this is coverage that I feel like we've never had at UAB. We have a 30 plus minute interview with Trent Differ himself, the head coach. John has two interviews with both of the both of the coordinators, offensive and defensive. I suggest highly suggest checking that out. And and we're getting into the minds. We're getting connected with this coaching staff. I think that is so important. We've never ever had that. Oh, we you know I'm I'm glad we have Steve at eighteen nineteen that produces great content, um, week in week out. You know, but we used to just have an article here and there from AO.com. That's what we used to have here. But now we are actually being a bridge audibly with the coaches. Um, I think. We should be just be appreciative of that. I, I know for one, I'm happy of the work you've done, John. Well, I, I appreciate that, Darren. And you know, I I hope that all the Blazer fans appreciate it as well, uh, guys. Our Blazer Victory uh, listeners, we also need you to help us out and help share that with your UAB friends because I, I know there's still a lot of UAB fans that you know we haven't tapped to or haven't listened into us. You know, haven't listened to us. So hopefully. We gain, you know, more UAB listeners, especially transitioning to the American Athletic Conference soon. Big things ahead, great things ahead for uh, UAB athletics. So, again, BlazerVictory.com. Check it out if you have not done so already. And if you have, hey, share it on Twitter, Facebook, message boards, or, you know, with a UAB friend. Just, you know, tell them to check it out. And I hope that they like it and they end up subscribing to us. But, guys, we can get into some basketball as UAB moves into the semifinals of the NIT, taking down the Vanderbilt Commodores 67-59 to this past Wednesday evening. Jimmy, I'm, I'm going to throw it to you. How, you know, I was, in the, I was in the crow's nest at the very top of the arena, but how did it sound on TV? Because from in, in person, like, there were so, the UAB fans that made the trip, the, the Spirit Squad, the band, like, it it sounded beautiful in the arena like UAB fans made their presence known and it was just it was just so cool to see but Jimmy were you able to kind of get that from the the ESPN2 broadcast on television 
Yeah, you could definitely hear UAB faithful in the background. And and how cool is that? I mean, it's just great to be on the road in an SEC environment and to hear UAB fans chanting UAB. I just think it was great. You could hear in the radio, obviously really clear. But yeah, you could definitely tell uh, and you could hear on the broadcast and it, it definitely made a difference uh, in the outcome. Yeah, man, it was it, it was loud, bro. Like I was like filled with this, the UAB spirit, just going into an SEC environment and and just just hearing us take over. And now, and I feel like this is this this could be another topic if you know if and when we were to start a Patreon. Just saying, but these fans from SEC from the SEC, bro. They got a they 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 have like knives that cut both ways so many times. So it's so it's kind of like oh you know Vandy oh, we really play down to our competition, you know like all this type of cocky yeah. Vanderbilt talk and and you know like Tennessee was doing it, oh Memphis was doing it and I'm like you're Memphis bro chill out with FAU, and it's like all out and it's just so annoying because you guys can't have it both ways. You got you. What are you? You either a good team because then I go to their page and it's all these retweets and hyping up of the game. And then when you lose, it's ah, ah, you know, like how we're not really excited anyway. And I'm just like, no, this is this is college basketball now. UAB is a good team. North Texas is a good team. FAU is a damn good team. Oh, they know Conference that. <laughs> Charlotte, Charlotte is a good team that won the CBI. So you guys know the team, the team that we're finna face, Utah Valley State, is a damn good team. So, guess what? Those teams were better than SEC teams. I remember, uh, was it earlier in the year? I think it was Bruce Pearl. It was like, yeah, UAB, that's a good score. You know, we had that uh, the secret scrimmage thing yeah and i one quote and he was trying to give a compliment but he was like yeah i know that they'll be like eighth in the sec he was talking mm-hmm. about us he said i, I, I remember I, i'm paraphrasing i can't really remember exactly what he said but he said something to that notion and we was like why the hell would we be only eighth <laughs> why is it why is that a compliment to say that we'll be eighth in the sec what was Vandy? <laughs> Vandy was pretty high up there, right? Yeah, they were four, pretty... weren't they? Yeah, they were good. <clears throat> yeah, and so I don't, I don't, I don't get it, you know. Uh, but the quote-unquote mid-majors—if you watch the game, if you actually watch the film and look at the teams, you will see that oh, that UAB team could have went far in the NCAA tournament. That North Texas team could have went far. I think. Charlotte or Middle Tennessee could have pulled out a game. Yeah. And then you see you see what FAU doing. Conference USA was a good ass league. It was. So I know I just went on a rant and went about that because like I just those those Memphis fans and those Tennessee fans and Vanderbilt and all of this elitist Alabama fans somewhat. It's kind of it's, it's kind of and and they haven't been that bad to be honest. I'm gonna be real. I think Alabama know that like hey we're kind of more of a football school, so they they haven't been that bad in basketball. So I kind of I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna x them out. But like all the other SE Kentucky, 
all of these it's this blue blood elite elitist kind of feel as if they have some kind of monopoly on college basketball. But hey man, we got the transfer portal. We got we got coaches like Andy Kennedy and Mark Madsen that's allowing these guys to flourish Dusty May, allowing these guys to play, and people want to be a part of that. So don't hate on these teams for being good. Just say, damn, that that UAB team, they kicked our butt. Props to them. Because we are better than them. The end. Well, I'll just to add to that, Darian. Um, you know, obviously, I don't think many brackets, less than 2%, had FAU making it as far as they did. But Conference USA in the last decade has been successful in the first round of the NCAA tournament, whether it was UAB or Middle Tennessee. I believe they had back-to-back first you know, weekend wins in the NCAA tournament, Marshall. So I certainly, when I look at a bracket, I'm almost, you know, looking at Conference USA to make that, you know, first round win, that first round quote unquote upset. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're not getting the respect. And it's, it's really good to see just nationally how many people are calling out that whatever it is, 15 and one record. There are eight teams left. Look who they are. Opportunity to win the NCAA, the NIT, the CBI. So it's really cool. And the coolest part about it is all these teams are going to the American, including us. So that's what's up. Yeah, I just hate that Conference USA is getting all that money, though. (laughs) (laughs) But we're bringing all the hype, like all the teams that's coming, we're bringing all the hype and all of the prestige and respect with us to the AAC. You know, so I think I think when we, as soon as we get there, there there's going to be a lot of eyes on us in football and basketball. And one can argue, like, how much how much are we really losing in the conference when when we we, we are bringing history? So what Jimmy just pointed out was history. We have history that we can go by with the eye test. So stop stop trying to say, like, oh, this little league, you know, like. Look at them. They got an upset in. Well, we've been we got histories of upset after upset after upset. Like what at one at some point it when is it just respect? When is it like, hey, maybe we should put two or three of them in? Cause I don't think it's just an upset anymore. Right? But maybe we just need to give them their respect and see that they, they have history, that they have the eye test, they have the coaches, they have the roster construction. Like, I don't they have the fan support. They have the stadiums like I don't I don't I don't know what you're what else do you need to just be respected at, at some point we we travel we'll travel to games and take over SEC coliseums you know so um yeah ancient coliseums. I just like I like <laughs> do you call them ancient coliseum the, the, no the, the coliseum that they played memorial uh, memorial gym was an ancient coliseum that thing was old mm, yeah y'all saw me hanging from the rat you see where they put me at i was hanging that what was that molly cyrus song you know where she's on that wrecking ball or whatever that, that was yeah, me wreck, hanging from the rappers up there yeah <laughs> i said they put my boy in the attic like a stepchild <laughs> oh man Hey, but but it was, real, uh, real talk, real talk, though, like you, you hear a lot of these, you know, and I saw, you know, immediately following uh, Vanderbilt fans. Oh, it's just the NIT. Hey, they wanted to win that ball game just as much as UAB did that Coliseum. You know, I, I not to be honest, I, I really don't. Th- I think Vanderbilt kind of gets a bad rap for, you know, them being the SEC school. They really don't care. But 
I thought the environment was pretty good. You know, I thought you could see, you know, Vanderbilt fans were cheering loud. It, I thought it was a really good environment. Um, but, you know, Andy Kennedy, 3-0 and this season against the SEC. 3-0. and And I hear, you know, SEC fans saying, oh, well, it was just Georgia, South Carolina. Those teams are trash this year. At the time they play it, well, maybe South Carolina. But at the time UAB beat Georgia, Georgia was popping off. Like, Georgia was doing pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's time that we retire this quote unquote mid major or quote unquote, you know, power, you know, league or whatever. I think that it's time to go because these mid majors, like, like Darian just said, I, I conference USA. I know it's easy to say in hindsight, but it's really <laughs> easy to say now though, that North Texas and UAB could have both, pushed for the sweet 16 at least in this NCAA tournament. Yeah. And then another funny thing was the, the, did you see like the, the Jerry Stackhouse quote afterwards saying, Oh, I was there. It was, the it was disrespectful, disrespectful. So, so John, could you tell us you was there? So, you know, exactly. So help, help me with this. Just disrespectful, man. So I, you know, he he went into the it is not just the mid-major scheduling. It, it, there's something else that I thought was really dis, disrespectful, too. But I'll hold that thought for a minute. But looking at what he was saying about how we need to stop playing these, you know, home and homes of mid-majors because they're not helping out our schedule. Bro, you lost to Southern Miss. You lost to Grambling like you you like <laughs> you lost these games and you're sitting here saying, oh, we should have been in the NCAA tournament. And and I'm sitting here, you know, because, you know, we cover UAB and we're thinking like I'm just internally rolling my eyes. Like, I cannot believe this dude said that because he had all the opportunities in the world this season uh, scheduling. And realistically, like the way the NCAA tournament works with, you know, whether it be RPI, net rankings, Kim Palm, whatever, whatever ranking they choose, they're always going to, you know, swayed more to the P5 schools. But that was one thing that I thought was disrespectful, Darian. But another thing that I thought was really disrespectful at the end of his postgame presser, he spoke on, well, I just can't wait for, you know, these six-year COVID seniors to get out. I think that's what's kind of helped out a lot of what? teams this year. And I get, was thinking, I was like, here, you know, man. we have a couple of those. I said, look, dude, you just need to own it that you got beat by a really good team that just played better than you did the night of the game. And just sitting here making these excuses, like, I just thought it was very disrespectful. And I, I don't know if AK knows that or if, you know, they – but I, I I didn't I didn't say anything in the po- in the presser because I said I just I was just internally rolling my eyes like, I cannot believe this dude is saying this. Very Out of different. all things, oh go ahead go ahead Jimmy I saw you come off mute go ahead. Man. I mean, <laughs> my my question is so if UAB is going to be quote unquote eighth projected in the SEC, where would Vandy finish in the American? I mean, I'm looking at the schedule here, and John, you referenced the losses that they had. Uh, We didn't talk about they lost to Memphis at home. They went to overtime. It took overtime to beat Temple. They beat, they lost, excuse me, to VCU by five, another mid-major. They beat Wofford by three. They lost to Grambling. They beat Alabama A&M by eight. I mean, so I mean, I, come on, man. We went we Ugh. went in a, we went in kind of a crazy direction here, but this is what is so frustrating is that they're gonna look to whatever they're gonna look at and point and say, Hey, 
you know, we shouldn't play these games. Hey, how about you actually start to not only win these games, but prove that you're a level above those teams before you're going to act like that? Let's see the results. And so, um, you know, whatever. Hopefully they have a good season next year or whatever. But that, that does kind of tick me off as well. Yeah. How about you coach better? How right? about that? Like, yeah, like, honestly, I'm being dead serious here. Coach better. Don't don't get mad at UAB for beating you. Don't get mad at AK for out coaching you. Don't point at mid. Don't point at mid majors and say it's the home and homes and the and the the six year COVID guys. That's why we lost. No, you lost to Grambling. Mm-hmm. You lost to Grambling, dude. You got blew out by Southern Miss at home. With and this was you had Liam Robbins on the court, mm-hmm. your best player. They blew you out at home. But it's the we don't need to do those damn home and homes. It, what that mm. what like kind of like like make it make sense and another thing that i've been seeing too that's ticking me off is like especially with dealing with and seeing fau it's been you know i'm I, I like march madness and i like the craziness of it all but i think one 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 post was saying oh we really don't reward oh i saw that <laughs> we really don't reward number one seeds we mm. need buys I'm like, no, you get to play the weaker teams. You get to play the weaker. Te- that's why it's a 16 seed, and that's why it's a one seed. If like that's 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 literally what it is. And then you get a most of the time you get a advan- uh, advantage uh, in geography. They're gonna keep you close to home. They're gonna you're gonna get a cozy setup for you to have the easiest path to the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. If you can't if take you get it, the nine seed. Sorry, Darren. I was just say sometimes if you're the non-seed, you get geographic, you know, help. You know, in other <laughs> words, Auburn got yes, to play in Birmingham, right? But they get knocked off. You know, play better. Like don't don't. But I guess that's mid majors' fault. You know. Oh, I saw another one that's saying, "Oh, I like I like March Madness, but I'm in favor of having series because we're not getting the best team. <laughs> the best team. It's it, it's kind of a it's kind of randomized if you're just the best that day and blah blah blah. What? Now it's the now it's the construction of the tournament that's wrong because your beloved blue blood team is not getting in. Maybe your blue blood team isn't as good as you thought they were. I watched San Diego State muscle up and play the best defense I've seen them play against Alabama. That wasn't a fluke. Mm-mm. Why do people think that's a fluke? I've seen I seen FAU against Tennessee. I seen them battle back. That wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a fluke against Memphis neither. <laughs> and and it's like oh oh it's the refs, the refs like oh my god I'm like oh my god bro at some point it's always it's something. just it's always something and respect is due. Just tip your hat to the team that beat your team down and say, hey, you get a chance next year. It wasn't it wasn't a six-year COVID senior. It wasn't the format of the tournament. It wasn't the disadvantageous one seeds that are just discriminated against. Your team lost. That's it. Yeah, it's all those six-year seniors, Darren. That's what it was. <laughs> I was they like, are you kidding? Him. Like I had to I had to like kind of pinch myself. Like I was like, did he really just say that? And he he went on a couple more, you know, but 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 it is what it is. Hey, UAB got it done. 
you know, at Vanderbilt, tough environment, 67-59. Guys, let's let's go ahead and get into that game. Um, I think we've got to start off first saying free throws, 17 of 17, 100% at the foul line, on the road mm. at an SEC stadium. Like, how about that? Like, in an SEC arena, like, getting it done, like, and they needed every bit of those, you know? I mean, they – especially in the first half when I think UAB was shooting what below 30 below 30 percent like it shots were hard to come by but UAB was able to attack the basket get to the foul line you know I really love what I saw out of Taven Love and KJ Buff and um you know guys at Trey Jemison of course with another double double but you know just attacking the basket against a quote-unquote power five opponent you know and just <laughs> Willing and dealing against them. So I, I think we do have to start there with the uh, free throw line. Um, and, and then look at Vanderbilt, one of five, 20%. I don't know what was going on there. I don't know if they were scared scared of Trey Jemison or um, what the deal was. But UAB played really good defense, I thought, for the entire game. Um, and, you know, Jelly was able to find himself that second half. Because let, let's be honest, guys, you know, that first half we're thinking like, Oh my goodness! Here, here comes Morehead State again. You know, a Morehead State performance where Jelly really struggled the previous game, um, just banking any three pointer. But you know, that second half, hey, he kind of turned into mid range Mike for a minute, didn't he? <laughs> it looked like Mike Earl going in there hitting those mid range shots, and then you know, luckily he was able to uh, hit. Was it okay? He did make one three point basket. Um, but hey, ended up with twenty one points. But I can't say enough about the guys. I don't care, you know, what Vanderbilt fan or SEC fan, you know, says that, oh, it's just the NIT. No, if you were in that arena Wednesday night, you knew that both of these teams really wanted this dub and UAB just, you know, wanted it more and played better than Vanderbilt. You know, there, there's no excuses. UAB just played better than Vanderbilt, especially that second half, outscoring them by 11 points. But uh, I, I'll shut up talking, Darian or Jimmy. Um, what What are your thoughts on this ball game? Hey, I was going to point out for those of you that were on the Twitter space at halftime, we were going through, we were looking at the stats, we were talking about how. Hey, we were shout standing. out to you guys handling that Twitter space, man! I was so proud. I couldn't say anything because I was in the arena and you know hanging from the rafters with the speakers, but I was able to listen somewhat. <laughs> Good job, guys! Good job. Well, I thought it was awesome how Darian had pointed out. Really, if Jelly starts, and I'm paraphrasing here, if Jelly starts making his shots, like we're in good shape. Yeah, we're down three. We don't have the halftime lead, but it's a one possession game. Jelly's one for 10. If he starts hitting shots, we got this. And what happened, John, you've already referenced, he went one for 10 in the first half. He went six of 12 in the second half. And when you look at his box score, yeah, he went, I believe it was, was seven of 22 so he took a lot of shots predominantly there in the first half while he was trying to figure out how the defense was playing him ak was talking about how the defense was playing him and they were coming up behind him and it was he was taking those mid-rangers it took him some time to adjust to that right but Mm -hmm. not only did he make those shots in the second half but you look across and you see the seven rebounds and the seven assists and the one turnover i was going back to Mm. vanderbilt's last 16 games i believe they had won 15 or 14 out of 16 whatever that number was and they're really 
wasn't another guard who did what he did across the full stat line like he did. Of course, there were people that went off and might have had 25-plus against Vanderbilt. But to see that 21-7-7 and only one assist in the minutes that he played in that type of environment was truly just special. You know, I think it was uh, our, our friend Steve had made a post and, you know, even I had said in Twitter, like, hey, Jelly struggled to find his rhythm, which is truly a compliment. Like, that's a compliment that he has been shooting much more efficiently and we're accustomed to seeing Jelly put that ball up in the air and it going through the net. That was not the case in the first half, but that did not dissuade him from having a stellar second half and we needed every single bit of it. So I was just really proud of, of course, the whole team. I want to give a special shout out to jelly for just the way that he performed, um, especially in that second half, but the way that he impacted the game in other ways. And and that's the true mark of a elite player. Um, not, not someone that's just penciled in as a shot checker, you know, and if his shot is not hitting, what else, We've. What else does he have going on? You know, we've. I know we have challenged, and it's not like Jelly heard the challenge, but we have challenged, in a sense of like, okay, let's find different ways to get going. Like you, your shot, your shot, and your shot creation is what makes you special. Yes, but in order for you to be a complete player, playable no matter what, if that's not going, you still have gravity, right? You still have elite gravity because the type of shots you can make and the range you make them from, you're always dangerous. You can use that to your advantage. You can use that to help your other teammates be better. You know, you can get other guys open looks, especially if your shot isn't going. You can, like, learn how to leverage that. But I was really, really proud of those seven rebounds and that one turnover. They were playing good, tough defense. Just one turnover is amazing. That's amazing. But seven rebounds for Jelly, man, that's that's crazy. He did a good job of digging down and helping out as your big your bigs are battling, the ball is being tapped around. You know, he did such a phenomenal job of digging down and he was getting some contested rebounds down there, something that's been knocked around. A lot of times, you know, a guy that's that's hustling harder. They'll come up with that. They'll come up with the ball. Jelly did a good job of making sure he cleaned that up. Seven rebounds for a five ten guard, and that that's that's really labeled as a shooter. That's good. And then shout out to the team. I think this team is so battle tested through the year uh, through the year that we've had that we found different ways to win. We found different ways. We we play. We can play defensive games. We can play offensive games. Like we we know how to win different different ways. Shout out to the team for just steadying the ship, playing some, playing some good gritty defense, and just keeping us in it until Jelly. Well, I, I say keeping us in it, but we were close. I think keeping it in it, you was like a nine point game. No, we were close. It was like a three point lead at halftime. We played really good defense. Shout out to, like, K.J. Buffin. In the first half, he was timid going up. The second half, I know one play, he got an and one. He jumped into uh, jumped into that center's chest. Boom, and one, screamed. I'm like, that's it. Like, at first, he was going up very, very soft and kind of he was um, 
the the guy oh, I can't I can't say his name right now, but uh, their center was he was a good shot blocker. He was in their head. He was in his head. Yeah, um, he was putting up the ball up soft, and he he changed his whole demeanor. And Trey Jemison won and won that matchup outright. Dominated that matchup. He used his physicality. I, I believe Trey leans on his experience, and he's just a he's he's really been the main guy to just the most consistent guy this tournament. And um, I'm just happy. I'm and it, you know. I'm trying to think of other guys like Taven Loving getting getting downhill. Eric had moments we was like, whoa, buddy. Like, whoa, yeah, let's buddy, go too fast calm. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, calm down, buddy. Calm down. Like you don't have to you don't have to shoot a one on three layup in, in transition. You're you're most likely not gonna win that. It's three defenders. Just slow down, man. He was getting some kind of those turnovers and everything. I'm like, man, please. But he still was able to get down here. He got to the line. He made his free throws. Um, I think, was he the only guy on the bench to score? I believe he was. I can go back and look at that. He he had, he was the only guy on the bench to score. Yes. And he had 14 points. And he also had seven rebounds. I didn't notice. I didn't even realize that during the game, you know, so. In 27 crucial minutes, so I mean, he he was very much needed. He, I know it comes with, you know, sometimes it can come with some hair pulling out, but we needed we needed his athleticism, we needed his playmaking, his scoring, and his rebounding, and he and he played good solid defense. Um, I think the defense, especially on Manion. Magnon is not a shooter. That's all I kept saying. This guy cannot shoot. I was tweeting this out. Like historically, historically, he's made some shots during the during the tournament. But I went back and I looked at the shots. That's why context is important. He was wide open on those shots. They gave they gave him those shots. I'm not saying just leave the guy wide open. I'm saying soft close out. He has a very slow release on his shot. You got time to get there. You can still contest, but play off of him. He wants to get to the rim. We did a very, very good job for, I say, 90% of the game of playing off of him, going under screens or switching under, not playing. Up. We we made him make some tough shots. He did. He still made some tough shots, but you 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 live with that. But I feel like we frustrated him. We took uh, Tyron Lawrence. We kind of took him out of the game. That was the most consistent guy. And uh, we played some really good defense. So shout out to the team. And uh, it was a good win. Yeah, definitely. And shout out again. I, I just want to give a shout out again to Trey Jemison. I mean, you know, 17 points, 8 of 10 from the field. Got the and one free throw. Uh, 12 rebounds. Another double-double. And I, I agree 100%, Darian, what you just said, that he has been, you know, the the guy this whole NIT and really the Conference USA tournament as well. He has just been playing his best basketball that he's played his whole career um, at UAB lately. And it's just so fun to watch. And it's just, you know, my one of my favorite moments in that game against Vanderbilt was the the transition uh, dunk pass from Jelly Walker to Trey Jemison to uh, get that dunk. And at the time, I really didn't realize 
how close <laughs> that was uh, from being swatted down by Vanderbilt Center, I believe. But my goodness, shout out to UAB men's basketball Twitter account for um, doing the slow-mo on that. Um, it might have been Dustin that got that video, but man, like that 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 was my favorite moment in that game because when that happened, it was like, oh, okay, UAB can really do this. It's, it's, it's UAB's game now. Like there's there's no turning back. So shout out to the team, like Darian said, 67 to 59 beating UAB, UAB beating Vanderbilt in the quarterfinals of the National Invitational Tournament. Jimmy, any last thoughts before we go to Utah Valley? No, let's talk about them Wolverines. Let's talk about those Wolverines. So UAB will travel down to not Madison Square Garden in New York. This year's tournament will be in Las Vegas. UAB will take on the Utah Valley Wolverines Tuesday night at 8.30 p.m. Central, Central Time. Golly, I wish it wasn't so late. But again, hey, National Headline, you know, ESPN2, so really good national exposure again for UAB in this NIT tournament. Um, and guys, I mean, obviously they've got Utah Valley's got to be a good team to get to the semis of this NIT. But when you kind of put on the film for Utah Valley, you're like, my goodness, this team is really good. Like, it's not really just one guy for this team. Like, they've got a couple dudes that they can uh, spread it around. Um, and, and not to mention a seven foot uh, center in the middle that, you know, likes to block shots. And the good thing, I think, for UAB is, you know, we faced a couple teams that do that, you know, whether that's uh, FAU with Golden or, you know, Western Kentucky with Sharp. I mean, UAB has kind of faced those teams this year. And, you know, Darian, what you said a few minutes ago earlier in this episode, like UAB is battle tested. So UAB has seen teams similar to Utah Valley. And I think that helps UAB in this matchup. But one guy other than the center that really pops off to me in film study, um, especially looking at that uh, game against Cincinnati and, and, and the game prior against Colorado, is uh, Woodbury, Trey Woodbury, the, the, uh, the number four. He's their senior guard, 6'4", 200. Only averaging 13 points a game, but when you watch his film, like he he's the he's the guy that the offense runs through. Like he is getting assist after assist. I think he averages what five assist, uh, 4.7 assists per game. So I think it really um, the offense really revolves around him. Um, but Darian, does does anything else pop off? I, mean, I know there's some other dudes on this team because I saw some other dudes too. But to me, the guy to focus on for UAB is going to be uh, the guard Trey Woodbury. Yeah, and I, and I see. I think I think Jimmy is uh, eager to get after the Wolverines real quick. I saw that he was off of mute, so I'm a I'm a swing swing it. We you know, uh, uh, John, you just you just passed it out to the perimeter. A, de- a defender <laughs> just closed out on me. <laughs> is it Jimmy meter? <laughs> is it Jimmy meter time? Well, no, I'll just say the defender closed out on me. You you kicked it out. They doubled you in the post. You got to see it visually. They doubled John in the post right there. John <laughs> kicked it out to me, and the defender ran the close out on me because I'm a 40% three-point shooter. I swung it to Jimmy, and um, I'm going to let Jimmy cook real quick. I'm going to try not to airball this opportunity real quick. So. <laughs> hey john said earlier i mean you don't get 28 wins if you're not a good basketball team um you know you were talking about trey woodbury uh and he he certainly pops off too something interesting about him is that he's actually from las vegas so he started off his career at unlv so he's definitely going to have some local fan and, and friend support you know in that building um stylistically 
you know, what's nice about Utah Valley is that they are pretty much the complete opposite of some of these other teams that we've seen, like a UNT or a UTEP or a Charlotte, and like in that they like to get up and they like to run. So they rank top 50 in the country in tempo. And, you know, another interesting thing about them is just that they are uh, the top shot blocking team in the country. So we'll talk about, you know, what impact I think that may or may not have on the game later. Um, and do, they do a good job of the defensive glass or on the defensive glass, not so much on the offensive side uh, in terms of offensive rebounding. And uh, they, like us, they're good at getting to the free throw line and converting. So they're top 50 as we are in free throws uh, attempted and free throws made per game. But for me, when you look at just their, we like to, you know, in our previews, talk about starting lineup and matchups. And one thing that's very interesting about this Utah Valley team is their length and their athleticism. So they are, in terms of average height, they rank number 37th in the country. And their starting five is 6'4", 6'4", 6'9", and 7'. And only one player in their eight-man rotation is smaller than 6'4". So when I look at that and we think about Jelly, you know, I, I try to, you know, picture in my mind, you know, is there how are we going to match up defensively? And when we think about Woodbury, who do we start on Woodbury? In my opinion, you know, I would be surprised if we didn't start the lineup that's got, um, you know, Brewer in the ball game at six foot seven. I think that he might get that initial matchup on Woodbury. And, you know, potentially you could see Taven Lovin as well that's trying to match up against him. But kind of what, what were kind of your thoughts, Darren, as we shift it back over to you? Um, you know, as you think about this matchup, you think about their players and kind of what they bring to the table. Yeah, first of all, this is a good ass team. Let's start there. Uh, if 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 Bruce Pearl was given the, um, if he was like letting us know about this team right now, he would say that they could finish eighth in the SEC. That's how good they are. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but they have. I, their athleticism, as you pointed out, their athleticism is what pops off. Um, they have uh, got a lot of guys that can get up. Like, all of these guys can dunk on you at any point. But then they play, and I wonder if this is an extension of their coach, Mark Madsen, who won uh, a ring or two while he was with the Lakers as a backup. But um, they play a, a NBA-style type of game. The players are free. The tempo is up and going. They can cook and create shots. It is, it is a lot of pick and rolls, like pick and roll after pick and roll after pick and roll. Their uh, their center is a uh, he is a good. I believe he's an NBA prospect because he he is athletic as hell and he's seven foot. He can run like a deer. He's he he gives a lot of effort. He's not when we think of seven footers, we th- we kind of think of like like Victor Golden for FAU or you know somebody like that. That's and and I'm not saying that Victor is not a guy that's swift or or anything like that, but they're kind of plotters. You know, they can kind of protect the rim. You, we we, we kind of think of like Dayron Sharp. Like this guy is seven foot, but he can run and he can jump. Only thing about him is he is not big. You know who is big? Trey Trey Jemison. Jemison. So the first thing I noted about this team is 
They have the athleticism. They can shoot. All of their guards can shoot. Now that now the two bigs, they don't shoot three pointers at all. Um, I'll talk about Fuller, the the four, the four man in a second. But yeah, all of the guards, they can shoot. They can get hot. Um, so I think we we have to play up on them, and they're going to give us a myriad of pick and rolls. And then and the the thing they like to do is they like to. I love their roster construction and how they put it together. Um, Bandego, the center. And uh, Fuller, the four-man, they, they both are good athletes as far as in jumping explosion-wise. But they are not guys you give the ball to and tell them to cook. Like, they, they don't have any Javian Davis. I didn't really even see too much of the Trey Jemison hook shot type stuff on them. Will they go up and dunk the ball? Will they block the shots? And Do they have good hands? Yes. But... Like Fuller in the post, if you give him give him the ball and just leave him on the island and tell him to cook something up, a lot of times he was losing the ball. On the other hand, I saw him catch a lob from half court. That was so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, these guys are good passers. They're good athletes. I just think you need to know how to defend them. So you have to be physical. They're not. They're not very physical. Besides, I think I think uh, Woodbury is. He's 6'4", 200. He's built like Taven Levin. But he he can he can really get up and he can really shoot. And he, and he can cook with the ball some in isolation. Justin Harmon is another guy um, on the wing. He's 6'4". Him and, him and um, what's his name? I don't want to say it wrong. Darthur. They're 6'4", they're but they're more wiry kind of guys. Like, they're long and wiry. And they don't have that aspect of physicality that Woodbury has. So I think I think if I got I think our guys has a chance. Like Jelly, I probably would put him on Harmon, but I would tell Jelly, Jelly to be all Jelly is quick. I would tell Jelly to be all in his grill. These aren't guys like uh Janelle Davis that that kind of use their physicality and post you up. We've had a couple guards like that. And we struggle with those guys. But I think that we can match up with these guys really well because we have Taven Lovin, we have Ty Brewer that we can put on and you know, put on um, Woodbury and say, hey, if you want to be physical, you have a shot at it, you know. Um, and I think Jelly can get into Justin Harmon. Justin Harmon is not big. He's explosive, but he is not big. He's not a strong guy. And um, then we can have, like, you know, Taven Lovin guard Dartmouth and they they're like the same size Taven is just bigger um and I think we can I think we roll with that I think we make sure they can't utilize their athleticism you know like don't let these guys they're gonna try to pick and roll alley-oop that's what that's how they get those uh two guys Fuller and especially Bendigo that's how he gets involved in the game if you, if if he ever gets the ball on the post one on one against Trey Jimson, nobody double down, nobody help. Let him try to cook. That's what you do. You let him. But I'm looking for Trey Jimson to dominate on the boards because of his physicality. I saw them play one game I went to and I was watching. I saw they lost to Tarleton twice. They beat Tarleton once. I'm like, what is it about Tar- Tarleton was a mid team. Tarleton's tallest player is six seven. So and they they start one six seven forward and four guards. That's how Tarleton play. Tarleton was kind of they were they won by pushing them around. 
And that's when I realized, I'm like, ah, and I, I kind of was thinking that when I watched them play Cincinnati, but that was like, oh, just be physical. And one thing that I know about this UAB team is like we we win in different ways, and one way is being physical. That's what Trey Jemison has been doing all tournament and, and CUSA tournament. He's been physical. He's been pushing guys. Ty Brewer did it. Um, we saw Jelly get down there and do it. We saw Taven Lovin. We saw KJ Buffin do it. So our team doesn't have – we have good athleticism, but they are next level with the athleticism. They don't have our physicality at all. So you know how you neutralize the shot blockers? You jump into them. You use your strength. You use your body. Don't go up thinking because if you just go up thinking it's sweet or just trying to challenge him vertically, Bandago, you're going to lose. He's an NBA prospect in my eyes because of his fit and what he can do. I think that Trey Jemison is a mad, bad matchup for him because he's just kind of too little for Trey. So, and we'll we'll see. I think that'll be the key matchup to watch. Can we neutralize Mendego? I also saw when they played Oregon. Oregon had a big, strong center. Yes, he neutralized. He took Mendego out of the game. Basically, the guy had 17 points, 15 rebounds. I think Mendego probably had four points, six rebounds, or something like that. It was just not a good game. Probably his worst game of the year because he went against a legit center. But guess what? Utah Valley State still won that game because they have um, a starting five that's very cohesive. They play with each other all year. They all know their roles. So, And we're going to have to at least take one or two of these guards out of the game. We can't let them get just basically what we had to do with Vandy. We're going to have to do the same thing with them and um, and make sure that the Fuller guy, he he can't cook on his own. He can't. We have to make sure he doesn't have his opportunities to use his use his athleticism. He's a smart player too. I think he knows his limitations. Make him obsolete and um and get back in transition. Don't let them don't let them run and gun in transition. Hustle back, be physical, and go from there. And I think we can win this game. Yeah, I think so too. Now I, I would put probably Taven Lovin on Woodbury, but tell Taven that hey, Woodbury is you know he's a really good shooter, but he can also shoot the three pointer really well. You know he's a he's a forty percent three point shooter for this from the year. Um, so you'll have to tell tell Taven our time, but I would put Taven Lovin on him and just tell him to kind of play him really close to not let him get any good open looks at three point. And, and as a team, Utah Valley is not a bad three point shooting team. Um, so just really be careful. Look for the driving kick um, from Utah Valley, but really that's all I had to add. Uh, Jimmy, anything else to add? Or we, can we put Utah Valley to bed for now? We can put it to bed. Are we, are we hopping into the Jimmy meter? You Jimmy know what time meter. it is. <laughs> Jimmy meter. Jimmy meter. Let's go. Okay. All right. So a couple things we're going to look at. We're going to keep things, for the most part, simple. But I'm going to go through four trends that I've noticed within the eight losses for Utah Valley. And I'll take a quick stop after each one. That way we can kind of talk about it. And then I'll go to the next one. But one key emphasis I want to look at and talk about first is offensive rebounding. So in my opinion, based on some of the stuff that we've been talking about, our physicality, 
and really our strength all season long in the offensive rebounding category is that we've got to be in double digits in terms of offensive rebounding. So that's 10 plus. So in all eight losses, Utah Valley's opponent has grabbed at least 10 offensive rebounds and they have lost the offensive rebounding battle in six out of their eight losses. And when you look at Utah Valley, we talked about earlier, they are a good rebounding team, but that is primarily on the defensive glass. On the offensive glass, they are bottom 20 in the country in offensive rebounds allowed per game. And as I spoke to a moment ago, UAB, on the other hand, is top five in the country in offensive rebounds per game. So you look at a strength for us, a weakness for them. This is a category that I think that we have to dominate. What say Darian and John? Hey, that 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 is that goes hand in hand with what I'm seeing when I what I see on tape with the physicality, yeah. and that goes hand in, that go hand in hand with our guys with um with Trey Jemison, with Javian Davis, and with KJ Buffin, and with guys like uh, Taven Lovin. They can get in there and they can they can crash the boards. They can get pushed around. I think that's such a good point. Um, it's kind of kind of verify what you can see with your eyes and um i think that's that's all I'll do with physicality nothing more and that's not athleticism that's just getting down there and the guy he's seven foot but he's only 215. i mean he's skinny you can he's that main guy now uh fuller fuller is 6'9 235 he's kind of he's big he got some size on him he has some explosion and i forgot to mention this but laterally he doesn't move well, like if you get them one on one, and or if you can, you can or in rebounding spaces, you can work yourself around them really quick. He's not the quickest. He's not the. He's good vertically, but not side to side. So I think we have opportunities to go around, sneak Taven Love and crash the board, weak side on him type of deal. So hey, that's a good good analysis right there. Uh, good trend finding, Jimmy. Yeah, and uh, you talked about Tarleton their opponent that beat them late in the season. You look at their last three losses at Southern Utah, at Tarleton, and then Southern Utah in the conference tournament. They lost the offensive rebounding battle in those games by seven at Southern Utah, by four at Tarleton, and then by seven again to Southern Utah. So again, you look at the opponent, Southern Utah, that beat Utah Valley twice this season. What they do? They dominated them in the offensive glass. So that is trend number one. So Trend number two, we're going to keep things simple, turnovers. So when I think about an up-tempo game and I think about the fast-tempo um, transition, you know, we have at times this season, we've had games in which we've had a lot of turnovers. Um, my thought is that we need to keep our turnovers less than 13, so 13 or less turnovers in the game. So in all eight losses, Utah Valley's opponent has committed committed, excuse me, 13 or less turnovers. On average, 10 a game. UAB averages 12 and a half per game across the season. So again, in eight 
losses, Utah Valley's opponent has committed 13 or less turnovers. So kind of a simple stat, but just when we're getting up and running and it's a tempo, it's not only it's not us trying to speed up the tempo. And then the other end, you've got a North Texas is trying to slow down less possessions, less turnovers. In theory, there's going to be a lot of possessions in this ball game. And so I just think at the same time, it's important that although the game would be sped up, that we don't get sped up in what we're trying to achieve and that we keep our turnovers at 13 or less. Yeah, I thought, I thought, hey, I thought UAV's done a great job lately with that. You know, take take away the Eric Gaines four turnovers against Vanderbilt. You know, you, you take that away, and there's only six turnovers in the ballgame. Like, lately, UAB's backcourt has gotten better. Um, I think it's not turning the ball over as much. But, yeah, UAB's backcourt is going to have to have another really good game. And Jimmy mentioned it. This is going to be a very fast-tempo uh, game come Tuesday night so our backcourt's going to need to be really careful um hey Eric if you if you're outnumbered three to one hey you might want to just back that ball back out and just start fresh instead of trying to trying to do too much and there's not not slighting the guy I mean because Eric's just trying to make a play and that's what Eric gains you know his his you know his athleticism he he, he just wants to make that play but in this game we're going to need to you know kind of slow it down at times you know, and and that's kind of, kind of like, you know, you look at the FAU type of a game, that's kind of how FAU beat us. UAB was just going too fast and getting too sloppy with the ball at parts during that game. So definitely a point of emphasis for UAB's backcourt to handle the ball well in this fast tempo light game. Yeah, I was that's I was actually for the lob that uh that Eric point to you off and say, John, that sound like a this sounds like a game where we're like, hey, Eric, Eric, Eric. <laughs> oh, there we go. Let's slow down. But, yeah, you've already made the point. All right, guys. So let's look at trend number three. So let's talk about three-point shooting. So in my opinion, the goal for this game, UAB has got to make more than five threes. And that sounds easy, right? Easy enough. Well, we know in the Vanderbilt game we had just two three-point made, and Utah Valley defends the three-ball really well. They're holding teams to around 30%, which is top 25 in the country on the three-ball. And so far in the NIT, they have held New Mexico to three three-pointers, Colorado to four, and Cincinnati had six. So through three games, they've allowed 13 made threes. And for the year, their opponents are averaging just over six three-pointers made per game. And in my opinion, I really think that we're going to have to get close to that mark because that means one of two things, or it could mean both. It could mean that we have a big jelly game, which we did, as we talked about, against Vanderbilt, but just in a little bit of a different way. But again, I think that it's going to be important for us to get more than five three-pointers made in this ball game. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah I, th- I, I like – oh, go ahead, John. No, you go ahead. I, I, I like how you brought up, like, how well they defend the three. And I think, you know, it's how do they get there. Well, I think Bandego, like, when it's on screens and screen and rolls – they bent Bendigo like to play. He he likes to play drop a little bit more, but he is mobile enough to come up, and he doesn't mind. He is a mobile seven foot. I I can't stress that enough to people. 
that he is a mobile seven-foot guy. He is not a plotter. He is a true athlete out there. So he can and he can jump and he can contest shots. But I think what they are so good at defending the three is because he allows he allows those guards at six four, so they have all of them have solid size. He allows them to play very aggressively around those. So they're gonna chase over, they're gonna make sure you don't so if a jelly, you know, gets a screen, they're gonna be very aggressive getting over that screen. Um what Jelly did learn was against Vanderbilt, he uh, Vanderbilt he adjusted to the intermediate game. So one thing that we can do on screen and rolls, I can kind of see it happening is we can kind of get if we can get Bandego lost in no man's world. Like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna protect the rim, or you're gonna come play up? Even if Jelly misses those shots, first of all, that's a good quality shot from the free throw line. Secondly. Now you have Trey Jemison in position to get a good offensive rebound because he's going to be below the center. The center has to come up and kind of discourage that mid-range kind of floater floater shot. So I think we have a shot to get in there. And then if if we get that game going, it can, it'll cause other guys to help down. It, it'll cause some, like, some driving kick opportunities where a guy like L.A. Brewer – will be important because he's a guy that can hit those standstill threes, you know. Um maybe Tony Tony can knock down a three or two. That that that'll really, really help us out. Any threes that we get from him is a you know is a good thing. Um well Eric Eric has shown his uh his three point stroke has has very has very much been better as the year went along. Will he will he be able to knock down those threes, you know? And with Jelly, what version of Jelly will we get in this game? This is not a North Texas type of team. They're very up-tempo. You can catch them sleeping. And in these type of games, this is where Jelly can go on those 9-0 Jelly made three three-pointers, you know, just like real quick, bam, bam, bam. You know, and he'll heat check them. So this is the type of game with this type of tempo. This is where he can get loose and be free. We thought that against FAU in the championship, FAU did a good job of just killing us that game, and Jelly couldn't buy a shot. He can do this against Utah Valley State. So um, will we get heat check, Jelly? doesn't really matter how you're defending. I think that's uh, that's an important context to this as well. And I, I think you said it best, Darren. I think Ladarius Brewer is going to have to – hit a couple three-pointers. We, we've got to try to get him vo- involved in this ball game um, because can Jelly hit five threes? Of course he can. You know, Jelly can have a Jelly-type game. But, you know, lately, I, I think, you know, what you just said, he found a way to hit the mid-range against Vanderbilt, and that helped UAB get the victory. But UAB's going to need a guy like Ladarius Brewer to step up and knock down at least one or two three-pointers this game. Um, so definitely look uh, for UAB to try to get him the ball early on to help build his confidence and try to get him going. But if he can't, hey, like Darian said, Tony Tony or Ty Brewer or K- hey, even KJ can hit the three every now and then. So, um, but I definitely look, I-, I want to look at and see how Ladarius Brewer uh, reacts to this ballgame. Yeah, one thing for LA, I feel like the last couple of games, especially here in the NIT, that he's really just had some unlucky fouls. And, yeah. you know, he's found himself in the game for he comes in picks up two or two fouls real quick and he's sitting out the rest of the half and you know as as a high volume rhythm shooter like he is i really like that point john we could absolutely use 
you know, two threes for him off the bench, much less if he got three, I'd feel super good about where UAB is positioned for this game. So last one here real quick I wanted to hit on is in the assist category. So in my opinion, UAB needs to hold Utah Valley to 12 or less assists. In six of their eight losses, they've had 11 or fewer assists. And they are top 20 in assists per game at 16.1. So holding them to this number would be an indicator for me of how locked in we are defensively. You know, just as we were against Vanderbilt when they had nine. Utah Valley, when you have the type of offense that they have, the run and gun style, the four guys that are averaging double figures, when they get that ball moving and they get that confidence going and they've got these, Darian's reference, these lobs to their center that's like Clint Capella in the NBA catching these lobs and dunking and, you know, grabbing defensive rebounds and that confidence gets up. You know, if if they're flowing like at 16 assists a game, 15, 16 assists, I think it's going to be hard. We're going to have to have a exceptional game offensively if they're doing that. But I think if we can hold them to 12 or less assists, uh, that will be a good indicator for our success. Yeah, and, and I think 12 or less is going to – this is the probably going to be the most difficult one. But I like it. I like it because, like you said, it's a true indicator. But one, I think, is because they're so good in transition and they have the athletes that can finish in transition. They get out, they run, and um, a lot of times in transition, that's when you're going to get your assists. You're going to get your lobs. You're going to get your bounce passes for layups. You're going to get your passes to the corners for the corner threes. Um, so it's and they can shoot the ball and they can finish. So that's where they're dangerous. And two is because of that. They're constantly screening, rolling constantly because, you know, those guys, you know, Fuller is not a shooter. Bandango is not a shooter. They aren't they aren't post up guys to get their own number. You, they, they don't call their own number. They'll probably do that. I saw Bandango do that once the Cincinnati game. Um, I think he made one little hook shot. In it, and honestly, that was kind of awkward. So. They utilize those guys and they utilize their strength, their vertical strength, especially Bandagos. Like all you got to do is kind of throw it up there around it in the, in that area and he'll he'll flush it. So that's gonna be tough because it's it kind of forces you to pick your poison, right? Like, all right, you're gonna play drop coverage. Hopefully, our guys can. From what I'm getting is the best best thing we can do is very is play exactly how they play. We keep guys in drop. Coverage. We keep our bigs hanging low, and we have our guards be aggressive going around those picks. Like run them off of the three-point line, make them challenge you at the rim. Like try to funnel them to your center, but force them to be drivers or force them to be mid-range makers all game. If you have to pick your poison, that's the poison you pick, and you live and die with it. I love it. I don't have anything else to add. Was that was that all four, Jimmy? Was that the four? Well, there's one bonus one that I was thinking of as we were talking, and that's when their center packs your shot. Shake it off, because that dude is going to pack your shot at some point during this game, and he's just really good at it. And don't let that get in your head, UAB. In fact, I personally think that that's probably leading to some of these offensive rebounds that they're giving up. Is there a certainness? to go after those blocks. If y'all remember hashtag blocking him. So if they're trying to block shots and they're leaving their guy to try to get these blocks, great. Like 
let our guards get into the lane, dump it off to one of our bigs, you know, that way they can get easy buckets down low. And uh, yeah. And then one last thing, just wanted to give a shout out to one of our loyal listeners, Alex Fant, if you're listening, Alex Fant is stationed out in California and he is going to be at the game in person. He's taking time off to go. And so he called me right after the game the other day. So shout out to Alex Fant. We appreciate your service, man. And uh, we hope that you have a great time there in Vegas. That's awesome. Definitely hope he has a good time. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Shout out to Alex. Bring the dub home. Um, on that on that shot about them blocking, I wouldn't want to say with with Melora Brown, the center from Vandy. We talked about that how they got in, they got into KJ's head. But KJ came, he shook it off that second half and started jumping into Melora Brown, getting an one, screaming in their face. I think the thing that really really let me know that KJ really shook that off was that defensive position. To where it was very physical. I think it was Lawrence. The guy shouldered him like KJ was moving his feet so well. Guy couldn't go nowhere. He put some strength on him. KJ failed, still swiped the ball and got the steal. I know you talked about John. John talked about the uh, the the alley oop from Jelly to Jemison. That was the play. I stood up like hell yeah, let's go. Like that's what I like to see. That's the KJ I like to see. And he shook it off. And he didn't let those block shots get in his head. The other guy I want to see don't to to not let block shots get in his head is Javian Davis. I realize he gets bigger opponents. You know, Javian is six nine, but he's a bigger boy. But he doesn't. He's not the the athlete. He's a, a technician of sorts. But sometimes he can struggle against those tall, lengthy athletes like Dayron Sharp um, from Western Kentucky, and uh, just those shot blockers. So. He let Melora Brown get in his head some. Will he borrow some of KJ Buffin's confidence, his shake off his <laughs> – what's the word for that? His bounce back at uh, Will he be able to shake that off and, and still be effective? You know, he's kind of been underwhelming this tournament because he's been facing those big guys, but he needs to, to, to know that he's one of those guys, and if he can play like a Zach Randolph did when he was in Memphis, like, like Lofton did, you know, he probably wasn't the tallest, but they're big, they're physical. Believe in that and you're a technician and you can you can um you can get those guys in foul trouble. Shake, 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 shake it. You know that Taylor Swift song, Shake It Off? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I know, know I wasn't all the okay, 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 good, good. I was about to say most well rounded out of the group. I was gonna grill you if you didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> you did you know it? it's it's another song of haters gonna hate 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 hey, hate, hey, hate. Hey, hey, hey. that's the same song that, man that song oh never mind <laughs> you call yourself a taylor swift fan it's the way you sung it you sung it the wrong way <laughs> oh, oh okay okay well shake it off shake it off ha, ha. yeah most mm-hmm. well-rounded here mm. I'm not a Swifty. I'm not a Swifty, guys. Don't. I'm not. No, a, not me neither. No, me neither. I ain't paying no thousand dollars to go see her in Atlanta either. So. Yeah. That, I know. I know that, that that was that was like on a kids movie. Um, it, it was one of those. I can't remember. So I have. I do have a lot of kids here. You know, I have three daughters and one on the way. So I'm I, I'm in tune with all the kids. If you wanna, if you wanna have something about some kids, let's do something about some kids music here. I can go toe to toe with you all day, man. Let's do it. You ever heard of Kids Bop? You remember Kids Bop? 
Oh yeah, I remember Kids Bob. It's so cringy now when I listen to oh, it. Oh yeah. Do they still do that? No, do they still do that? They they do. I had to go to um Bro, what's it on? Like Kids Bob 150 now? Like it's gotta be up there now. <laughs> oh, they did they did a karaoke. I had to go to like a uh like a race, a three K race or something, and they had karaoke for my daughter at school and they had the most cringiest kid bop songs. Uh, up there. I'm like, uh, oh my god! They were saying it's is is way worse now. Jimmy, yeah, that's a lift. Any Taylor Swift uh, <laughs> thoughts? I can I can tell you that Natalie is a Swifty, so uh, I, I hear <laughs> I hear quite a bit about Taylor Swift from Natalie. So I tell you what, like Elizabeth, my, my wife likes her a little bit, but she played like her latest album. I was like, okay. Hey, I didn't know she had a little uh, sass in her name. Oh, you, like, hey. Swifty? Swifty? Yeah. Swifty John? Okay, oh, no, 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 I no. I, I ain't no Swifty. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So, hold on. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Like, Jimmy, what are your, like, what's the interest? Like, we we know about John and kind of his music, his vinyl taste. They know about me and everything that I'm interested in because it's literally everything. Let us know a little bit about Jimmy here. Man, I'm not going to be as well-rounded as you guys. For me, uh, I'm big into fitness. I like to run every single day, four miles. Um, for me, I'm a Ew. collector. <laughs> yeah, for me, I'm a collector. So, you know, that was something when I saw in the in the BV cave, you know, John's got some super sweet gear uh, there. And we were talking about the bobblehead collection, the UAB bobblehead collection. So I love to collect stuff. Um, outside of that, I mean, when you're just – diving into recruiting all the time i mean i don't have much time left for anything else <laughs> <laughs> well what what kind of music are you listening to when you running those four miles what, what do you listen to? Are, so, are you a podcast guy i am 100 percent a podcast guy i love uh, i listen to my to my primary ones i listen to the ringer network bill simmons i listen to the cover three pod of course before i was on the pod i would be listening to uh the blazer victory podcast um, oh yeah yes oh. all the time and uh so i've got my I, I just love the college football pod i listen to the you know the cbs college basketball pod and i'm sure there are some that i'm forgetting but love listening to podcasts for music for me i'm gonna be super lame on y'all i'm gonna say while i'm working i'm going to apple music i'm going to today's country hits i'm just hitting you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like just do the just flip through them and i'll just keep hitting that on repeat <laughs> Are you a Jimmy Buffett about, fan? I know that's not country, but are you Jimmy Buffett? I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna say no. I mean, it's all right, but you know, for me, I'm just I'm not a big music guy. I'm not I'm not into music. I just go through ebbs and flows. Like once it starts feeling good outside, I want to listen to country. I'll switch it up. You know, uh, turn some worship on, do some stuff like that. But I'm just not a big not a big music guy. Natalie's a complete opposite. She'll be going to concerts and uh, doing all that, but not not for me. John, what's your go-to music? Um, let's see. It just depends on the day. Like today, I was listening to a lot of Corn. Um, or I've listened to, you know, Tedeschi Truck Band. Uh, you know, I've thrown on some Coldplay. I mean, I go all around, man. And obviously, Don Tolliver. I've been on a huge Don Tolliver kick. Me and Brad listened to that on the way back from Nashville. I don't know if he was a fan, <laughs> but we we popped that on a little bit. <laughs> uh, um. Uh, I mean, oh, I like a lot. Yeah, a lot of stuff, dude. It just depends on the mood, you know, or you, what kind of mood I'm in. All right, and then real quick, movies and shows. 
shows. Hey, I'm a big is, HBO Max. It? I like I like a lot of stuff on HBO Max. Um, cool. So Secession season three, I believe, is Ooh. coming out tonight. Um, Natalie and I, we used to dive into those reality shows. We we kind of gave up on that like a year or two ago. So we haven't been too much more into the uh, Bachelor Bachelorette series in quite some time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but she, she used to have me, she used to have me going through and and, and looking at that stuff. But um, I still do like reality TV a little bit, but of course, uh, we talked about Game of Thrones before and Breaking Bad and all, all the classics, but ma- mainly yeah. anything I can catch on like HBO Max, like I'm a fan of. John? I mean, the only one I recognized out of that was uh, Breaking Bad. I mean, I've never seen uh, Successful Shin or whatever it is. I've never seen that. <laughs> I've never seen So uh, disrespectful. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I love The Office. You know, I don't know if anybody yeah. listeners like The Office. Um, we're big into The I Office. I love The Office. Yeah. Uh, we finished Elizabeth and I finished You. I thought that was really well done. Um, just stuff on None Netflix. Y'all, I don't know. y'all not into the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or what is it? No. Funny, funny thing is, uh, the first Marvel movie I ever saw was Avengers Endgame. And I had what? somebody, yeah. So isn't that crazy, right? So anybody that's like super in the series and be like, what is wrong with you? So I was like, John, I was like, I don't understand like what is happening. But I got invited to go to the movies, uh, you know, with this group of friends. I was like, screw it, I'll go. And I sat there and I had buddies that were like literally tearing up at the end. I'm like, I just don't know what the <laughs> heck is going on, man. And then when I got home, I told my, I told Natalie, I said. I guess we're going to have to watch this. So then we just rewatched everything. But that's how my Marvel experience started was watching Avengers Endgame at the Summit Theater and being like, why is everybody in here crying? Yeah, all those movies Bro, are boring to me, man. I, I know Darren loves it, but like, it's all the same, man. It's like you got your hero and the bad guy and the hero ends up like it's all boring to me. Like, it's so, so predictable. No, it's not. <laughs> How how is how is Iron Man dying predictable? Oh man, but did he come back? Didn't spoiler he? spoiler. No. Uh, oh, <laughs> mm, mm, yeah, spoiler, oh yeah. Hopefully nobody wants to go watch Iron Man in twenty twenty three. That that's been out for like twenty years. Man. Yeah, everybody know he's dead, but but no, he doesn't come back. He is dead. Like he's dead. Like so. Like yeah. Like or or you know watching those. Yeah, I was one. One of those guys like holding my head up to the sky in the movies. My God, you know. Uh, and then watching Black Panther, watching Wakanda Forever, and all the the uh, tributes to Chadwick. If you ever watched that, catch that. That's so like emotional and well written. So I, I love stuff like that. But I love I, I love the slow burners like Game of Thrones. So oh, so it's so beautifully written. So many moments that it just make your heart drop. Like what is going on? So. Yeah, man. Uh, I just thought those episodes kind of like, like aren't those aren't those Game of Thrones episodes like an hour and a half long? Like, aren't they like super they, long? They can be long, Beautiful. but I also have like a an hour. equally. Ain't nobody got I, time for that. I also have a <laughs> like uh, an equally hour. an equally funny uh, Game of Thrones uh, first, um, you know, watch as well. So I'm sitting downstairs in our living room here at the house, and I'm like, let me the check out this game. Yeah, it wasn't the Red Wedding. It was like one of the first oh. episodes, and uh, there was definitely some, uh, you know, not G-rated stuff going on. And <laughs> Natalie walks downstairs, and I'm like, "I promise you, it's Game of Thrones. Everything's cool." 
let's let's talk about then actually natalie and i ended up watching the whole thing together twice so she loves it more than i do that's awesome have you checked out house of dragons too we got through uh we're getting some deep cuts here we watched like two or three episodes and i looked at i looked at natalie and i said natalie I am too dumb to watch this show. I don't know what's happening. I need someone to explain to me like what is going on. And we just said, you know what? We're going to have to have like somebody catch us up to speed. So we 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 stopped about three episodes in and we're probably going to have to revisit it later. All right. I, I stopped. I stopped with my protruding on the shows. I just thought it was cool for the listeners to like kind of get to know us. Like I get on my anime spiel, too. I get on that. I love anime. If you know me, you know, I love anime. I'm whatever you want it, whatever, whatever it is, you know. So uh, I can get into everything, to be honest, except I'm not a country music fan, guys. Just yeah. not. I like I, I like classic rock. You know, but I'm not a country music guy, we'll but I'm cool with it, though. I like I like I like sitting out I like sitting out having some whiskey. I got some neighbors out here that are country music people. We'll sit out there, we'll have some whiskey or have some beers and we'll listen to some country. I vibe with it. I don't got I ain't it ain't I'm not turning no I'm not going out to the bar like hey turn on that whatever country music guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can't even tell you. Only guy I kinda know and that's not really country. But it's Sam Hunt. It's Sam Hunt play here. Nah, know, that's so. pop. Yeah, that's pop. That's pop music, <clears throat> but it's like pop country. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but um, yeah, I'm not really that. But yeah, that was that was cool. I felt like the listeners got to know a little bit about this here. So definitely, they can bring since up. <laughs> well, guys, we'll be back. We're gonna try to do another halftime Twitter space. So if you're not following the Blazer Victory on Twitter at BlazerPod. Give the account a follow. Give Darian a follow at theydread75. Give Jimmy a follow at UAB Athletics Fan. And give me a follow at John C. Duncan. And guys, if UAB is able to get the victory Tuesday night, we are planning to do an instant reaction episode. Yes, I know the game does not tip off until 8.30, but we are going to stay up late if UAB gets the dub. And we're going to have an instant reaction episode for you guys. So look for that in your feed. Darian. You wanna go ahead and send us out, buddy? Yeah, and and I'm open to different slogans to send out since Liz doesn't like Let's Ride. <laughs> yeah, Elizabeth said my wife said that Let's Ride's getting old. Well, let, let the listener. Hey, do y'all like Let's Ride? Or do y'all think it's getting old? Let us know. And and one thing I want, yeah. So the listeners, y'all come up, y'all help us out here because y'all actually give us a lot of good ideas. To be honest, I I think the Jimmy Meter. Um, I forgot which listener that was, John. You pointed it, you screenshot it. I was like, that's that's it, that's perfect. So um also I want the listeners, I want them to give feedback if they think I'm gonna I'm gonna wait until I have uh to figure out the gender of my baby when the baby is born. This will be my last child. I promise you guys, this will be my last child. This is my fourth child. I have three girls. So I want you guys to give your predictions. What you think? You think I finally get the boy, or is it just Team Girls, Smith Girls for me? So let me know, Elizabeth. Please let me know. I don't want to disappoint you. Uh oh. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to disappoint you, Liz. So um. Oh yeah, that that's that's who it was that came up with it. But just let me know. But this could be the last time I say it. Let's ride. 
And shout out to Richardson Hill for coming up with the Jimmy meter. So follow us on Twitter. Mm-hmm.